welcome to the Huntback Country podcast and part number four of the five-part series of the Expert Roundtable. Today in this episode, we're talking about the mistakes that made you better. As we talk about mistakes today with these hunters, we wanted to know what lessons have they learned the hard way? Is there a specific story where they made a mistake that they commonly refer back to or have learned from even today? And so that's what we dive into with these hunters. Once again, it's the same guests as our previous episodes, Jeff Bloomquist, Darren Cooper, Billy Malls, Charlie Perry, and Steve Speck. Let's dive right into this episode as we talk about the mistakes that made them better. got the nickname from my friends as Flinger for a reason. When I started bow hunting, man, did I miss a lot. Um, but the great Wayne Gretzky says, right, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And that's kind of how I felt. Um, so I'll give you an example on the first bull that I killed. Um, I called him in. I had him probably at 40 yards, right? Nice six point. And I drew back and I shoot and my arrow probably went, I'm guessing four feet behind him to the left. <laughs> like I was so jacked up that I had so much torque on the bow that I just like, I mean, it went, like I said, it went way, way off target. And like the bull ran away and like, I seriously like laughed at myself, right? Like, are you kidding me? Like here was like a perfect broadside 40 yard shot and I, and I missed it. Cause I was not thinking about the one thing that I think about every time now, which is remember to aim. So that bull takes off. He goes all the way down the Canyon. And as he crosses the other side, he bugled one more time. And I was like, I can still call that bull in. So I hiked all the way down to the bottom of the Canyon. I hiked up the other side, got over into the timber patch he was in and ended up calling with him for like 30 minutes. And I called him back in. And the second time, I remembered to aim and I got him. And so like that experience, right? Set the one thing that I always think about before I shoot, remember to aim because I had done everything right to that point in time before. Um, but I forgot the most important part, which was remembering to aim. So that mistake, I learned from it. And so I feel like that's what we do a lot of times is like, we'll make a mistake and then the next time we'll make it again. Right. And we like, why can't we be successful? Well, it's because we're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And the biggest thing is when you make mistakes, I thought there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you got to learn from it. Right. And then try to apply it the next time so that you don't do it again. Although it's easier said than done. Like, I mean, I still, I still screw up on every hunt. It's not that I don't. It's just, I try to limit them as much as possible by remembering what I did the time before and applying it to the next hunt and the next experience. Yeah, that's good. I like it because it's, you know, from prior experience, here's what I have done or here's how I'm prone to mess this up or to miss this detail. And sure. as we talked about before, you're then simplifying in the moment, like, here's the one thing I need to focus on. So it'd be all fine and dandy in your preseason shooting archery wise to have a shot sequence of 
like, okay, stance and grip and anchor and blah, 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 blah. But if you do that enough preseason, that all becomes subconscious and you're no longer trying to execute, you know, a shot sequence with seven components to it. Instead, in the moment when an elk's standing there, you're doing the one thing that you know you need to focus on, right? So I, I talked with another guy semi-recently and he was telling me a story about a bull he shot out and missed. And the reason he did that was because he came to full draw. Um, the bull held up a little bit. So he kind of like leaned or moved to look at the bull and he came out of his peep. And then when he went to go shoot, he honestly forgot to get back in his peep. He just picked up his front <laughs> sight. And so yeah. for him, maybe his one thing needs to be stay in the peep, right? Like that's the one thing he needs to focus on. That could be different for, sure. for everybody, but translating those mistakes in those specific instances to then a focus in the future uh, can be really helpful. I think what you said there too is like, um, being more instinctive is better in those moments. And so by, I don't have a shot sequence, which maybe, maybe I should. Um, but I practice enough with my bow that I feel like it's just habit, right? Like I'm not over, I'm not overthinking it in the moment. All I'm thinking about is picking which pin I'm going to use and centering it exactly where I want it and squeezing the trigger. Like that, that's it, right? Like I'm not, thinking about where my anchor is and all that stuff. It's just, where's the pin? How far is it executing the shot? This one's uh, this one um, is super um, important to me, I guess it's mistakes have essentially shaped my, my life, my bow hunting mis mistakes or screw ups really shaped my life um it stuff that haunted me then um actually made me a, a much you know i guess better person it took me to places that i never really dreamed of and, and um it started um really back in high school and was hunting the uh, the late season 39 hunt and this was my early days of bow hunting. I had a bow that didn't fit me. That was literally a pawn shop special. Um, something I, you know, grabbed for, for cheap and had some arrows and learned how to shoot it pretty good at 20 yards. But the draw length was probably an inch and a half or two inches too long. Um, it was, a uh, it was like a, I don't even know what it was cause it was all spray painted camo, but. Um, I think one of the bow shops told me they thought it was a, like a, a Darton with Martin cans on or vice versa. So I don't even know what the hell it was, but anyway, pawn shop special bow, but actually I got really proficient to where, I mean, 20, 30 yards, you know, um, able to shoot it very accurately, but, um, and I'd been rifle hunting, uh, you know, deer for a number of years up, up to that point. And so I definitely knew how to hunt and all that kind of stuff. But I made, uh, I found a great, great buck and made an unbelievable stock on him. And, and out of kind of rookiness, I didn't plot my trail or my route perfectly. And I actually got way too close to him. And when I, and I couldn't see him on the last part of the stock, he was completely out of sight for probably the last couple hundred yards. And the ground was, um, real damp and and uh, it snowed and then melted off 
And so it was soft and damp and I was in my sock feet and I literally walked up to probably seven steps of, to this day, the biggest typical four point mule deer I've ever seen in my life. And I went to draw back and the bow kind of made a little squeak and he jumped up out of his bed and did like a 180 and it, startled me i i actually knelt down because i slipped over this um little ridge and i was like came through this little gap through the sage and i could just see him laying there with this freaking radar dish of a rack it was probably pushing 36 inches wide with super deep forks all the way around i mean it was unbelievable and he spun in his bed and did like a 180 and i just kind of shook and it pulled me down and there I am at seven steps with this buck and his white white face just staring me down and I'm sitting there quivering behind my bow and there's nothing I can do about it because I <laughs> lost my draw and of course we it seemed like an eternity that that uh, we were face to face like that but then he bounded away and of course I jumped up and winged one at him or whatever at 50 or 60 yards as he was bouncing across a little draw, but, um, you know, he bounced out of my life. But even at that point, I, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I was like, that was a world record archery mule deer that I just let go. And I actually went over to my girlfriend's house that night and her dad has a 31 inch, um, like 199 inch perfect four point muley from Colorado on the wall and a 34 incher that's, you know, in the one nineties or whatever, or low one nineties. And that deer that I had just screwed up absolutely freaking dwarfed both of those bucks in every dimension. And I was just like, oh. so I knew from that point on that, like, this was going to be my game. And I was, you know, going to do my damnedest to never let an opportunity like that slip away again. And that's when I got, you know, went headlong into archery. Like I'm going to get good at this. And so it really, you know, if I had killed that buck, I, you know, I don't know what would have happened. I'd have probably been like, you know, thought I was the king of the world. and Who knows? Would have turned into Joe Dirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, I can't say, I mean, that's one that I play over my life or, you know, all the time in, in my dreams or whatever, like, God, if I could have one back, you know, that one, you know, is on the top of the list. And, but, you know, what, I don't know what, it, what would be different if, if I had, you know, connected on the, on that opportunity, it's like, um, you know, would I have put nearly as much effort Would I've, you know, ended up, you know, even getting into competitive archery or, you know, going to work for weight and doing all the stuff that I did. So. You know, in a lot of ways, I guess, you know, I, I have that, that deer to thank for, you know, almost everything that, that I've done in archery, because that definitely set the, the stage and motivated me beyond all, um, you know, any motivated me beyond what anything else could have. And so, you know, I think, you know, most people think, think that your success defines you, but, you know, often I think it's how you respond to failures that have the greatest impact. Some mistakes, yeah. Um, 
a big one that I, I've, I've had a lot of hunters tell me from a guiding standpoint is the, the guide gets so excited. I guess this is something I don't know. I don't really feel like I've ever done is put a lot of pressure on the hunter. You know, they're like, shoot, 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 shoot. Like, man, you're asking for, 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 a, you know, a, a debacle um, when you do that. I mean, that's kind of one of those things. Yeah. Nine out of 10 times it might work, but one out of 10, that's going to be disastrous. And I'd say that's one thing in Alaska, you've got to be really consistent. You know, you've got to kind of know your limitations. You kind of got to be thinking ahead. A lot of times dealing with, you know, bears or weather or, or whatever. I mean, I, I say that I almost got a guy killed crossing a river, you know, um, I knew the river was coming up. We went after some caribou. Um, that's right. This is probably the biggest mistake I've ever made. Um, I, I knew I, we, we had to go across a Creek to, um, um, I, I, did I tell this story last time? I don't believe so. Okay. We had the, our, we were camped on one side of a Creek and we had to cross this little Creek and there was a knob that we had some elevation that we could blast the tundra hunting caribou, but we had been having tons of rain. The river was coming up really fast. We crossed the Creek in the morning. One guy kind of fell down, but he, he got himself up, but on our, where our camp was, there was no elevation. So you couldn't see hardly at all. And so I get up there and I start gauging the water by this gravel bar and I realize, okay, the river's coming up about two inches an hour. And I'm like, all right, if we're not on something by noon, we need to go back to camp and then we need to relocate. Well, we spot these caribou at 11 o'clock. They're a couple miles away. And I'm like, all right, let's pack our stuff. Let's hustle up. And it was a three on one. And so you got three hunters. And so it's a little extra pressure. You know, you got more animals to, to get. And so we go up after these caribou, we get to where they went out of sight and they're nowhere to be found. Well, then you know, another 600 yards away, there's this little, you know, there's a little ridge and I'm like, well, they're probably right there. You know, I, let's just hustle up there, see if they're there. Well, then we get up there, they're not there, but then there's another one about 600 yards away and you can tell it's a pretty defined bowl. And so, well, they gotta be in there. And so it was kind of like the, the uh, carrot was just dangling in front of us the whole time. Well, then we get there and then they're bedded. And so they're like 800 yards away. And I'm like, all right, we got to get, you know, we got to get moving here. We got to get back across that river. I mean, it's like looming in my mind, but I don't want to scare my hunters. And so we go, uh, I'm like, let's just go right at them. We'll be aggressive. If it works great. If not, you know, we just go back to camp. And they're like, okay. So we go right at the caribou and then all of a sudden they get up and start feeding right towards us. Well, it takes about a 20 minutes before they get into view hunter wounds the animal takes a little while i gotta go around and finish them off and so and by the time we butcher this thing out it's like i don't know four or five o'clock and so we're going back to the river and and my one client long story short my one client's like deathly afraid of water he almost drowned as a kid not a very good swimmer um and anyways he ends up falling down to this very very wide channel of, of river and he's almost all the way across and he goes down and i was kind of down below him just in case he did fall there i had already crossed and, and the other hunters had he was last and he goes down i mean he goes like out of sight he actually broke his trekking pole and uh the step before that and he went to use that trekking pole that had just broke like his muscle memory just took over and that knocked him off balance. He goes down and I go to grab him and the current was so strong. He just pulled me in and um, we ended up surviving obviously, but I mean, it was, it was close. 
And it was, I let the pressure get to me, you know, the, the thought of, man, here we are halfway in the hunt. And I mean, the weather is terrible. We might not be able to move, you know, I better take this chance, you know, ordinarily at the beginning of the hunt, I, I never would have taken that chance, but, um, you always got to take chances. Yes. But, um, yeah, I almost, almost lost a guy and lost myself in, in doing that. My hunter, you know, he like, he, it was like the greatest event of his life. You know, I mean, he was scared to death. I mean, don't he lost his rifle and he almost died. He recognized that, but it changed his perspective on life. And I think that's, you know, you, you make mistakes. You got to push the envelope to something. Uh, I just had a guy at a little, one of my fireside chats, I had this guy put a comment, something to the effect of, um, like complacency is the death is like spiritual death, you know, and you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be pushing the boundaries once in a while, you know, um, you just hope you never cross that line, obviously. Um, so yeah, the mistakes, if, if you're not making mistakes, my uncle always used to say when we were skiing, he said, if you're not falling down once in a while, you're not skiing hard enough. And that's, I mean, that's just life right there is, the guy who succeeds is the guy who makes the most mistakes and uh, never quits. I and mean, that's basically that simple. So yeah, don't be afraid of making mistakes. There's always something to be learned. You know, you never want to, you know, you got to choose which Hills you're willing to die on though. You know, the ones that are really dangerous, those are the ones you got to be careful of, but yeah, I'd say never, never shy away from making mistakes. Those, those are your best teachers. It's a good thought. Always good to remember. Yeah. If you're not, if you're just flat out, like not making mistakes, you're just not, you're not trying to hard, hard enough, not pushing yep. it. Yep. That's your teacher. I'd say the biggest one that comes to mind, um, is when you get into bow range, um, whether, you know, whether that's 70 yards or 50 yards or 40 yards, um, basically trying to trying to kill the animal too quick has cost me, um, numerous animals. And basically what I mean by that is, um, you know, say you, you're dropping on a mule deer and, um, you got, you know, you, you ranged them, maybe it's, you, you ranged his head and antlers and he's 50 yards and you're like, man, I've been shooting 50 yards all the time. And, uh, and, your mind, my, my, my mind has gotten too excited, basically. Hey, I'm 50 yards from a 180 class mule deer. Let's, let's kill him. Well, my head starts moving around. My bow starts moving a little bit quicker. And all of a sudden you look and he's looking right at you. And, uh, so that's trying to kill the animal too quick into bow range is costing quite a bit. Um, so if I can learn to just be patient a little bit more in the bow range and just kind of live with that animal. Um, definitely it's definitely helped me out, but it, those are the mistakes that I've definitely comes to my mind. Every time I try to get into bow ranges, just try not to kill the animal too quick. If he's not in position. Yeah. It's a, you know, patience and aggressiveness is something we, it just comes up over and over again, almost no matter what species or context we're talking about. And I feel like with elk hunting, you know, there's certain hunters who prone to be more of one than the other, but 
I think you have to be really aggressive to kind of create opportunities and situations. But then, as you said, once you're kind of in range, you, you need to learn to have that patience and make sure that you're not acting too fast or too foolish uh, when you're when you have that opportunity or you're trying to create that last second of opportunity. Yeah. Um, you've done all that work, you know, maybe just maybe you did a three hour walk around to the other side of the uh, basin and you're sneaking in on that deer or bedded bull or anything. Um, and, and you're in bow range and you quite just don't have that shot. You you could have been aggressive, you know, getting down on that animal, um, and that's okay. But when you get into bow range, um, and and the opportunity quite isn't there, and there's really no way to create one um, unless just basically wait that animal out to, for him to get into bow range, and that that's where it's basically cost me because a couple of times I've tried to create because I've been successful creating opportunities, but there's been there's a fine line between trying to create too far and all of a sudden that animal is looking right at you and you're not at full draw. And, uh, I mean, you, there's something that just hits you and you know, and then that, that animal's gone quick and your opportunity's gone. And so that's, um, if I can take anything from it, I would be a little bit more patient, um, in that situation. So Steve, mistakes for you. Is there is there any one particular instance, moment, screw up that comes to mind, or is this kind of a, a a myriad of small things added up over time for you? Yeah, to me, this is a like a, I don't have a specific hunt where like oh I learned that lesson this day. It was just you know all this stuff like there's no shortcut. It's just you got to get experiences and time in the field. So to me, I have this like first probably four to six years of from like 18 to 23, 24. And I really started hunting when I was 18. Um, I have that kind of period in my life. And then from 24 now to 37 was like a very distinct, you know, change in how I hunted and being very intentional about things. Right. So early on, I, I was always willing to work hard. Like my first year bow hunting elk, you know, my buddy and I, we, we were just college students that year. Um, you know, we left town every, like, I think we had like a, oh, a Friday, I don't know, a Friday morning class. And then we'd rip up there and get a Friday evening, all day, Saturday, Sunday morning hunt and drive back home Sunday night. And we did, you know, we hit that freaking hard. Um, and we, we hunted hard, but we just, I think we kind of had somebody had given us the advice that you, you just got to keep hiking. Like eventually an opportunity will present itself. And while there is some truth to that, it's, you have to be intentional when you're out there hiking, right? Like you can't just wander around the woods waiting for an opportunity to present itself. You've got to put yourself in positions to increase those opportunities. Um, so I was willing to work hard, but I, I wasn't patient. I wasn't, um, really studying the animals and how are they going to move? I didn't understand thermals. Um, a lot of those things kind of come together, all that keys to being consistent. They all apply here, right. Of, um, you got to put all the pieces of the puzzle together to, to, uh, not have mistakes and become a better hunter. Uh, the one kind of specific one that jumps to mind is that I had to work on was, uh, really, I had what I kind of call a to B mentality of like, okay, I'm at the truck. Um, 
from past experience, I've gotten the elk, you know, up in this meadow. So I just put my head down and got to that meadow as fast as I could. Right. And missed opportunities on the way there. Cause I just wasn't, you know, I was kind of checking out going, eh, I, I never run into elk here before. So I'm just going to cruise through this country. And to me, that goes back to like hunting with a little bit more patience of just taking your time and being aware of your surroundings. And I had the same problem, you know, you hunted hard all morning, um, or even, you know, this goes back to like, I backpacked into this country and spent three days back there and it's Sunday and it's time to head out. Um, it's like, okay, pack up all my crap and head out and opportunities would present themselves, um, where you're just, you know, walking down, maybe you got your bow strapped to your pack cause you're sick and tired, care, sick and tired of carrying it. Um, but bam, all of a sudden there's an elk or a deer standing 30 yards off the trail or whatever, and you're not ready for it. I, I learned that lesson, um, from my buddy, Mike that, you know, we went hunting Kodiak with, I hunted with him and he was, um, you know, he, instead of, okay, it's time to leave. Let's we'll hike the trail that we hiked out. Um, uh, he would be like, no, let's, let's climb a thousand feet, get up on this Ridge and then drop the Ridge off the top. And at least we're going to, it's going to be some more physical effort, but Hey, we're going to put ourselves in a much better position to kill an animal on the way out than, than if we just drop down the bottom and hike the trail out. So that was definitely like a consistent mistake that I made that I've changed. And, uh, I don't know how many, you know, dozens of animals I've killed kind of that I wouldn't have, have I not identified that mistake that I was making. Well, I hope you guys have been enjoying this series so far, and tomorrow, in episode number 299, we wrap up this five-part series. If you guys haven't yet, go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast, and you can find all the previous episodes, or hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. In the next and final episode of this Expert Roundtable series, we talk about game-changing gear. What gear truly matters and makes the biggest difference for these hunters? Hope you join us for that episode. As always, if you have any questions for us directly, send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. We'll talk to you soon.